Michael Osterlink here with some mental musings on transpartisanship. I have generally three reasons that I think transpartisanship is important, generally speaking. One is to humanize the political process. Two is to find common ground. And three is to create space in the body politic for new ideas to emerge. So let's go to number one. Humanize the political process. One of the things that we have done in the past, over the past uh, 16 years that I've been involved in the transpartisan movement, are retreats, where we bring together 20 to 25 to 30 political and policy leaders all across the political spectrum on very particular issues. And it's professionally facilitated. Uh, 95% of the time it's outside of Washington, D.C., uh, it's much better to do these kind of meetings outside of D.C. That way people can't be pulled back into uh, events and meetings and conferences and things like that. Um, what we find when you, when you professionally facilitate these kind of behind-the-scenes, off-the-record discussions is that it gives the opportunity for people f- from disparate viewpoints who usually, quote-unquote, fight each other in the public sphere to get to know one another. And uh, they can they move from kind of characterological attacks, name calling, etc., to getting to realize that the people that they would argue against on a particular issue don't have a different perspective or point of view because they're quote evil or bad or uh, in the in the pockets of some particular special interest group. Uh, for the most part, people who have different perspectives have them because they have a particular worldview which generates a particular perspective on a particular issue. And once people get to know that about one another, you go from characterological attacks to the ability to debate ideas and policies uh, and programs and also dialogue about them too. So it civilizes the political process and allows for the second thing to take place, which is finding common ground. Once you get people talking with one another, talking in the sense like listening and talking, so it's authentic communication, Um, it's pretty easy to find common ground on a wide variety of issues. I really can't think of too many issues that you can't find some area of common ground. It might not be 100%, it might not be 50%, but there's some area within a particular issue set where you can find common ground. And the common ground might be around the ends the various sides seek, not necessarily the means to get there, and that's for for another conversation, means to ends. But so you humanize the political process, the first step, you find common ground through these dialogues, in these cases, these retreats, but there are multiple different ways of organizing people to come together, to have conversations, uh, for the purposes of finding common ground. And then the third, and to me the most interesting thing, is creating space in the body politic for new ideas. And the basic intention I teach when I give talks about this stuff is that presently the the left-right, quote-unquote, left-right paradigm, Republican-Democratic paradigm, um, this kind of binary way we see the world actually does not reflect the true complexity of Americans or human beings in this this case. Um, And the complexity of worldviews and ideas and perspectives Um, on a wide variety of topics and areas of human interaction. Um, And if you start allowing people to engage in conversations and find common ground and drop their psychological defenses against hearing other perspectives, 
we find that when you can bring two people together, sometimes in dialogue, um, sometimes a third idea might emerge that neither one of the two would have thought of because they were particularly locked into their worldviews. And it's through this dialogue that some flex mental flexibility occurs and new ideas can enter into the body politic. Not only that, but once you have people kind of in the transpartisan space, they could be a transpartisan libertarian, transpartisan green, transpartisan progressive, Democrat, Republican, independent, you know, whatever they are, but they come with an open and curious mind. You know, they still believe what they believe in, but they're open and curious. Um, it allows for other ideas, which might not even be in the policy realm, to enter into the discussion. You know, there might be some new breakthroughs in science, new understandings from anthropology or psychology or sociology, uh, technology. I mean, there might be so many interesting things happening outside of the policy world that once people have their minds open and engage in these kind of conversations, you know, there's space for something new to enter into those discussions. And as I could be from disparate fields that have very little relationship immediately to policy, but can and help inform policy decisions, especially as we transition from the industrial age into the information age.